find your place and take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 113. Psalm 113 tonight. Good evening. See you here tonight. Some of you are not well, but you're here, which praise the Lord for that. Just don't get anybody else sick. Some are not here that are not well. Pray for them, okay? And keep praying for Casey and the baby and family and just recouping, recovery. I saw the baby the other day. Casey, she looked, she's doing fine. And uh, he's a little chunk, mostly in the cheeks. He's a chunker. But, uh, yeah, they're doing well. Just keep praying for them, okay? And for others who are not here tonight. But good to see you. Psalm 113, let's read, and you can follow along as I read, but we'll read this entire psalm here tonight. Verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye saints of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord for this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house, and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 113 all the way through Psalm 118, comprise the first of what are called the Hallel Psalms. And that word Hallel simply means to praise. And so, in other words, these are the praise psalms. These psalms were sung by the Jewish people, pilgrims, as they made their way to Jerusalem for the various feast days that Israel celebrated. These psalms were sung as the people traveled together, and they were used to prepare the hearts of people for worship unto the Lord. They served to remind the people of the greatness and the glory of God, and it prepared their heart for what they were about to do, worship the Lord. They served to remind the worshipers that they were on their way to exalt a majestic and a glorious God, a God who was worthy of praise, all the praise that they could possibly offer Him. And so these psalms are specifically directed to tune the heart, prepare the heart to worship the Lord. They're the praise psalms. And as we consider the time of year that is upon us, Uh, Number one, we need to stop and take time to count our blessings. Amen? We talked about that last week. Number two, we need to consider the God who gives us those blessings. We can talk about the blessings all we want, but if our praise is directed or thanks is directed to the wrong place, it's, it's not worthy. We are not responsible for our blessings. Amen? God is responsible for our blessings. So we need to count our blessings, but we need to consider the God who gave us our blessings. And tonight, I want us to think about this thought, and I want us to assess the state of our heart toward God. Because 
the psalm talks about and, and, and encourages us and, and, and challenges us to praise the Lord. But praise is a natural outpouring of a heart that is already truly thankful to the Lord. Praise is the natural outpouring of a heart that is thankful. And we're going to look at these verses here tonight. And the, the first three verses of this psalm give us a call and a challenge for the people of the Lord to be involved in praise. So first of all, consider here with me tonight the call to praise the Lord. Verses 1 through 3. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye saints of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. You see the word praise several times in these verses. Again, they're the Hillel Psalms, which means to praise. It's more important for us to understand what the word praise actually means and is talking about. The word simply means to celebrate. All right, so the psalmist says, celebrate the Lord, celebrate the Lord, celebrate the Lord. But here's the thing. The word praise refers to a price or the value of something. In other words, we praise, we understand We worship the Lord according to the value that God has to us. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that tonight. Pay attention right here. We praise according to the value that God has to us. In other words, when we're walking around with a grumbling attitude and a complaining spirit and we're looking at all the problems and so on, the value of God becomes very, very small in our eyes. But our heart is thankful to the Lord because of His goodness and His grace and His mercy and the blessing of God. And the value of God becomes magnified in our eyes, which results in the natural outpouring of praise. Because he is so valuable. Listen, what I'm saying is your praise says a lot about how much you value the Lord. You say, well, pastor, I just, I just don't have much to be praising about lately. This is wrong, and that's wrong, and this is a problem, and that's a problem, and nothing seems to be right. I just don't have much to be praising about lately. Well, listen, if you esteem him as valuable, friend, you will find ways to render praise unto the Lord. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. This is certainly, Psalm 113, certainly not the only place where the Bible commands us to praise the Lord. I feel like I need to go back and say all that again. I want you to miss it. Distractions happen. Don't miss the truth. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, the Bible says, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. The writer of Hebrews says 
to let us offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. It is a sacrifice of praise that ought to be continual. What is that sacrifice of praise? He says it's the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. Now, when the Jews thought about praise, they thought about it in terms of the sacrifices of the tabernacle. In Leviticus chapter 7, we won't take the time to go read all of this, but Leviticus 7 gives the instructions for, uh, uh, for, for an offering known as a peace offering. The peace offering was an offering giving, uh, given to the Lord, but it was given in thanks to the Lord. It was given in thanks to the Lord because of His great blessings on the people. The peace offering was an expression of faith. It was an expression of love. It was an expression of thankfulness to God. It was a free will offering, meaning that it was always given out of a heart of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness, and a heart of love for the Lord. Now, we are not commanded or required to observe the Levitical offerings But we do still have an obligation to offer up a sacrifice to the Lord, a sacrifice of praise, because He's worthy of all that that has been done for us. And the writer of Hebrews says that sacrifice that is given to the Lord is the fruit of your lips. It's, It's what comes from your heart and the fruit of your lips giving thanks to His name. Now we can look at several other passages of Scripture regarding where we ought to praise and be thankful to the Lord. We can just look back in the Psalms, since our text is there. Just go back to Psalm 47, and I'll just briefly touch on these, because there's a multitude of them. But Psalm 47, 1 says, O clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is terrible. He's a great king over all the earth. And, the, and the, the, the Bible talks about, uh, in, in chapter 48, how great the Lord is, and He's greatly to be praised in the city of God. Uh, and, and then we move on to Psalm 135, and there's several here. I'm not going to take the time to read them all tonight. But Psalm 135, in verse, verse 1, says, Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the name of the Lord, praise Him. O ye servants of the Lord, ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise unto His name, for it is pleasant. Psalm 136, 1 says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Psalm 146, in verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth. He returneth to his earth. In the very day his thoughts perish. He's talking about how men will fail. But the Lord never fails. So he he says, praise the Lord. And he ends that psalm talking to all generations of men to praise the Lord. What I'm simply saying here is that the Word of God commands us to praise the Lord, to offer the sacrifice of praise to the Lord because He is worthy. Go back to Psalm 113. 
So we see this call to praise the Lord in verse 1. In verse 2 and verse 3 gives an example of praise offered to the Lord. He says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The psalmist tells us here that God is to be praised from this time forth and forevermore. What does that tell us? What does that imply to us about how long and how often we ought to be praising the Lord? From this time forth, even forevermore, it refers to the duration of praise. It's to be eternally unceasing. Listen, friend, that's a hint as to what we're going to be doing in heaven even. Revelation 7 and verse 9 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto God forever and ever. Amen. It's a, it's a hint to us as to even what we're going to be doing in eternity, throughout all eternity, giving praise to the Lord and thanksgiving to the Lord. Then verse 3 says, From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Verse 3 tells us that every waking moment is to be spent in praise to the Lord. In other words, praise is not supposed to be something we do when the Spirit hits us or when thanksgiving rolls around or when we're especially being blessed of God, praise is supposed to be something that we're engaged in at all times. <laughs> is that possible? We are so imperfect at that. Praise, listen, praise and complaining cannot occupy the same space. What does that tell us? about the attitude in the heart of God. If it's to be continual, if it's to be from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. What does that tell us about where there's room for complaining? Right? But what do we find ourselves doing? And I simply read this and I say, woe is me. Lord, I need your help. Because I find myself complaining a whole lot more than I do praising. And that's sad. It's sin, actually. Something to be engaged in all the time. And you know, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. And you don't understand. And this is a problem. Why isn't something being done about that? That's the attitude we take on so often. And yet, the Word of God tells us the duration of our praise is to be eternal. 
every waking moment to be spent in praise to the Lord. There's no room for complaining and grumbling and murmuring. And what does it tell us? Again, like the value of God becomes very small. Right? The praise is something related to the value of God in our eyes. Now, the remaining verses of this psalm, the psalmist gives us some reasons why we are to be involved in this matter of praise. So the first three verses are the call to praise. The rest of the psalm are the reasons to praise. And these reasons I want to focus on here tonight for the rest of our time is to preach on this thought, praise ye the Lord. Let's pray and then we'll look at the rest of these verses. Heavenly Father, would you focus our minds and our hearts tonight to get this picture of how worthy you are of praise. And the fruit of our lips is the sacrifice of praise, the thanksgiving unto the name of the Lord for how good you are, how gracious you are, how great you are. And Lord, would you help us to be a thankful people? Because praise is the natural outpouring of a heart that is thankful unto the Lord. And so still our minds and our hearts tonight and help us to focus on you. And may the result of that, Lord, be a heart of thankfulness and praise that you are worthy of. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at verses 4 through 9 here and consider the reasons to praise. So he says, he gives a call to praise, that all the servants of the Lord praise the Lord, to bless the name of the Lord at all times. Why should we praise the Lord? Well, the psalmist says, the Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. The first reason the psalmist gives to praise the Lord is because of His glory. Because of His glory. Verse 4 tells us that God is exalted. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. So the psalmist says that God is greater than all the glory of all the nations and all the riches and all the fame and all of the, 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 the wealth of this world in any nation. God is greater than that. Not only is He greater than that, but He's greater than all the glories of heaven. You're talking about the stars. You're talking about the planets. You're talking about the, the galaxies, the universe, the glories of heaven. God is greater than. And when, when the nations are gone and the saints of God fill heaven, heaven is going to ring with the praises of the Lord. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. All the things that are so majestic to us, God is so much greater than them. He created them. Verse 5 tells us that God is exceptional. He says, Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high? There's none like Him. He is great. He is exalted. He's above the heavens. He's exceptional. There's none like Him. 
And we could say, we could talk about in the mind of the psalmist, he's probably thinking about the gods of the heathen and so on. And he says, who is like unto God? Who's like unto, unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? We could say, where, where is the God Baal tonight? Where are the dead and forgotten gods of Egypt and Greece and Rome? Where are the deities of ancient Europe that even our ancestors would bow before? Where are they tonight? They're all gone away to the trash heap of forgetfulness. And one day it's going to be asked, where's Buddha? Where's Muhammad? Where's Krishna? Where are these? They're all false deities. And it doesn't matter if it's a false deity. It doesn't matter if it's an exalted person in this world. It's all going to fade from the memory of men. All of the greats of humanity, if you were to take them and parade them across the stage of time, none of them would be remembered and none of them will hold a candle to God. He's exceptional. There's none like Him. Verse 6, the psalmist says, "...who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth." Take note of this. God is so high. God is so great. He's exalted. He's so glorious. He's exceptional. There's none like Him. He's so extraordinary. And He is so high that it's necessary for Him to stoop down even to behold the loftiness of the heavens." the things that are so majestic to us. It's necessary for God to stoop Himself down to even look at it. It requires Him to stoop to even look at the sun, the stars, the distant worlds. And yet He does. Yet even greater stooping still, the psalmist says, to look at the things that take place on earth. Notice, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. Even greater stooping still to look at the things that take place on earth. Is not this amazing, friend, that God would do this? That He would stoop down to behold the things that happen in your life. That's what this is saying. And yet His eye is on the sparrow and every hair of your head is numbered. This is who God is. And surely His glory should be a constant theme of praise. He is so high that He has to stoop to look at the heavens, and even still, He stoops down to look at what happens in my life. That means the very things that are problems for you, the things that cause you the most pain, God stoops down, and He observes, and He looks, and He cares. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's extraordinary. He's glorious. And the psalmist says, this is a reason to praise the Lord. The Lord is high above everything. There's no one like Him. And yet He humbleth Himself to even look at what happens in the earth. Now I want you to notice another reason to praise Him. That's for His grace. Not only for His glory, but for His grace. Look at verse 7. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust 
and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. Another reason to praise the Lord is for his grace. We first of all see the grace of reaching down. Now, it's not spoken in these verses, but it's very much implied that God reaches down to men. He has to, he raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. Okay, but if it's amazing that he should look upon the earth, that he has to stoop to look upon the earth, how much more amazing that he would reach into the mess of this world to, to have anything to do with us, to lift us out of it. The grace of God to reach down into your life. Even more amazing than that is the fact that he would move in to the mess of this world to rescue us from our sin. Amen? What does Philippians 2.5 tell us? That he made himself of no reputation. That he was, took upon himself the form of a servant. That he was made in the likeness of men to dwell among us. Why would he do that? Well, there's just one reason. And it's his great love wherewith he loved us. What a gracious, gracious God. Listen, don't, don't, don't dismiss this. Christian people can sit in a pew tonight and you can hear a message like this and a psalm like this and, and we can be so dismissive of it, like, oh, that's boring. Are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? You're, you're entitled. You're entitled to the grace of God. You're entitled to the goodness of God. Is that what you think? That's how we act. I'm a good Christian. Oh, I've heard this kind of stuff. Oh, it's so boring. I want something. Come on, friend. Your praise to the Lord is a reflection of how valuable God is to you. Your thankfulness to the Lord. How amazing to just stop and think that God reached down into the miry clay and he looked at me. That's what verse 7 tells us. We see the grace of him raising up. Look at this, verse 7. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. This reference to the dust it's a biblical metaphor for poverty. The reference here is to those who are forced to grovel in the dust of the earth just to try to scratch out a, a minimal existence, a bare living. And he likens men to this. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. And listen, spiritually speaking, friend, the inhabitants of the earth... That's you, that's me. We are poor and needy. We can't lift ourselves out of anything. We can't certainly lift ourselves out of our natural condition. That's why Jesus Christ came to this earth to die, to pay our price, to lift us out of the miry clay, to, to out of the dust of the earth. We couldn't do that for ourselves. 
That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 40 and verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He understood the condition he was in. And then he says in verse 2, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay to set my feet on a rock and to establish my goings. Who does the psalmist give praise to for establishing his goings? The Lord. Who does the psalmist attribute credit to for getting him out of the horrible pit? Not himself. Out of the miry clay. Not himself. It was the Lord. And God, in His grace, stoops down to you, to me, to raise us up out of the dust. And then notice He says to lift the needy out of the dunghill. Not only does He lift us up, but He removes us from the situation we're in. The grace of removing us from the dunghill. You know what the word dunghill means? It means heaps of rubbish. The reference here paints the picture of the great trash dumps that burned continually outside of those biblical times, in in those cities, in those biblical times. They were places where the trash was burned. But not only that, they were places where the bodies of criminals were burned. And, 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 And historically, historians will tell you this, that packs of wild dogs would roam these places looking for food. If you were to take a trip to the dunghill, the place where the heaps of rubbish are and the trash is burning and the bodies of criminals are burning, if you were to take a trip there, historians would tell you that you would also come into contact with the social outcasts of the day. The lepers who were outcasts from society. The diseased who had no hope for their life. The beggars. They would congregate there, trying to stay warm by the fires that burned there, also hoping to find a morsel of food to prolong their wretched lives just another day. And the psalmist says that God lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. Imagine the look of that place. Imagine the smell of that place. But I want you to get the word picture that's being painted here because here's the truth and here's the reality. You and I, we were found in the junkyard of humanity, in the heaps of rubbish of humanity. He removes the saint of God from the scrap heap of life and from the future torments that await in our condition without God. That is where He brought you from. When we say, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace, (laughs) I hope we really mean it. Because we're not special. And I think a lot of times, the, the, the longer that we're saved, Christian people, we get this self-righteousness to us like somehow we're deserving of God's grace and God's love imagine the smell imagine the look 
That's where the Lord found us. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a preacher's home or you grew up in a drunk's home. It doesn't matter. We're in the junkyard of humanity, the scrap heap, the dunghill. And only by the grace of God has He removed us from it and set our feet on a rock and given us purpose in life. I think that's worthy of praise. That's what the psalmist is saying. It's worthy of praise unto the Lord. If you're saved, friend, you've been salvaged by the grace of God. That alone makes Him worthy of all of our praise. But then look at verse 9. A third reason to praise the Lord is His goodness. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Here the psalmist illustrates for us that nothing is impossible with the Lord. Even our biggest problems, the things that may cause us the most pain, they're not a problem for the Lord. The image that he's painting here is of a childless woman. And it's used to illustrate despair, to illustrate distress. And certainly the Bible is is filled with those kinds of images. But you know what the Bible is also filled with? The Word of God is filled with how the Lord was even able to take some ladies who were barren and open up their wombs and bless them with children. I think of Sarah, I think of Rachel, I think of Hannah, etc., etc. The most impossible thing. It was not impossible with God. And the psalmist is trying to say this. Listen, he's trying to say that there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. He's good all the time. He's worthy to be praised. And spiritually speaking, it doesn't matter what we were. He can take the barrenness of our lives that was caused by sin. He can cause us to bring fruit to the glory of God. He can salvage and make things brand new. You know what? A wicked life is a barren life. Yes. But a life that is touched by the Lord is a fruitful and glorious life. And the fact that He would lift us up out of our wretched condition and then beyond that give us purpose in life and use us for His glory is a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know what? I'm not special. I don't have anything to offer the Lord. Oh, you're a pastor. I'm a pastor. Who cares? You're not special either. That's the point. God didn't get a bargain when He got us. God didn't get a real tool that He can work with. He just got a tool, probably. We just think we're, we're all that in a bag of chips. But the fact that the Lord would save me, first of all, and then choose to salvage my life and to use me for His glory... is beyond a wonderful thing. His glory, His grace, His goodness in my life, it makes Him worthy of my praise. Even in the hard things, even in the problems, God is still good. Even in the things that bring us pain, God is still good. 
and nothing's impossible for him. The psalmist says, at the end, he reminds us and calls us again to praise the Lord. What is praise? Well, it's to celebrate, to celebrate God, but it's a reflection of how valuable He is in our life. If we're doing a lot of complaining, we're not doing a lot of celebrating. If things are horrible and we don't have much to praise the Lord for, God is pretty small in our eyes. But I think that you'd agree with the psalmist that the Lord is worthy of praise, wouldn't you? The question is this, is He getting the praise that He deserves? And I'll just leave you with this. May we all determine in our hearts that we will praise the Lord with our lips, with our lives, with our labor, with our hands, because He's good, because He's gracious, because He's great. He deserves all the praise that we can give Him. Let's get busy and praise Him. Amen? It comes naturally, though, from a heart that is truly thankful for what the Lord has done. We naturally will celebrate the Lord. You don't disagree that He's worthy of it. The question is, is He getting it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that You'd use this truth tonight just to remind us of the goodness and the greatness and the graciousness of God to us, that we are not worthy of anything. We are not deserving of anything from the Lord. And we truly are sinners saved by grace. Nothing without the Lord. You had to reach down and pull us out of the miry clay, the pit of sin. Rescue us from our condition. And then beyond that, to set our feet on a rock, to establish our goings, to give us purpose in this life. And I'm just, Lord, asking that you would touch our hearts tonight to remind us of who you are and what we are. And Lord, that our praise should only go toward you. Lord, help us to not complain so much. Not at all. To look at the blessings of God in our life, to count our blessings, to consider the one who gives us those blessings. And there's always, always, always something to be thankful for. Lord, help me with that. Because complaining and praising cannot occupy the same space. And Lord, you are worthy from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name should be praised at all times. Thank you for you. And help us to be thankful people. In Jesus' name, amen.